The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. It's man-to-man coverage. This is the PFT PM Podcast. And now, your host, Mike Florio. It's a July 11 edition of the PFT PM Podcast. Working my way through this four-week vacation, the mandatory vacation, paid suspension, whatever you want to call it. We'll be back on PFT Live coming up Monday the 20-something, 23rd. We'll be back on TV a week after that. PFT PM Podcast has continued to rocket through most of this time off, and it had been quiet until yesterday. Yesterday was a crazy day. The craziness has continued into today. Remember yesterday when I said there was a story about or a development in the LaShawn McCoy story, statement from Georgia police. That was when this thing kind of turned, because before the Georgia police chimed in, it looked like a fairly simple proposition. If LaShawn McCoy can show that he truly hasn't had any contact with Delisha Corden in months, then there's no way he could have been the one who committed that horrific assault. Well, once the Georgia police start talking about a targeted home invasion and specific items were taken, and Delisha Corden's lawyers then later issue a statement saying that she was at a house and had been staying at a house owned by LaShawn McCoy, that someone came in and took specific items of jewelry that McCoy had purchased for her and had demanded back, that's the implication, that he essentially was the Ray Carruth slash Jeff Galuli in this scenario. That's their belief. I'm not saying he was, but that's the theory. That's the the suspicion, allegation, implication, whatever. That McCoy got someone to go there and do this. Now, I mentioned earlier today the possibility of a Fargo-type scenario where the person wasn't supposed to brutally beat Delisha Corden, but one thing led to another. You know, she bit him on the arm or whacked him over the head with a candlestick or something to cause this person to react the way that that person reacted. And maybe this wasn't what LaShawn McCoy envisioned. I don't think that helps him. If it's true and if it's proven that that there was someone at his behest. And, you know, usually there is a Fargo quality to these kinds of capers. Look at what happened with Jeff Galuli and the bozos that that he was involved with it all falls apart fairly quickly in part because you start applying pressure to these people and they crumble but nowadays it's so easy to piece together electronically where people have been and who knows whom and text messages cell phones etc i see today's development don samuel who represented ray lewis in the 2000 murder trial and remember lewis was originally charged with double murder He pleaded guilty to obstruction of justice. And these were in the days before the NFL took off-field conduct as seriously as it now does. And I don't know that that's the right message to send. To hire Ray Lewis's lawyer, although he was effective, you got to give him that. There are two men who were killed, 
and no one ever was convicted of killing them. And that's a damn shame. That's a miscarriage of justice. But we'll see what LaShawn McCoy can do to show that he's innocent. And I'm not saying he's guilty, but he's concerned. Or he doesn't retain a guy like Don Samuel to represent him in this case. The supplemental draft was today. Sam Beal taken by the Giants in the third round. That means they won't have their third round pick next year. Dave Gettleman, the Giants GM, talking up Sam Beal as an ascending player. Washington also used a pick in round six on Adonis Alexander, another defensive back. So these guys are part of the team now. You use your next year's draft pick a year early, and off you go. Five guys were available, two guys got uh, drafted, and then the others instantly become free agents. One of them, Brandon Bryant, reportedly signing with the Jets, or will be signing with the Jets. But that's the thing, if you're not picked, it's just like the regular draft. If you're not picked, you become a free agent. This Papa John story, I didn't know what to do with it, because it's really not related to football, but it does have a football connection, because Papa John trying to reclaim his status within the corporation that he founded, working with an outside firm that was going to help him with marketing techniques and strategies, all because of his fall from grace resulting from those stupid things he said about the NFL, blaming the NFL for negatively impacting Papa John's earnings when they were talking about a slice, no pun intended, of the year 2017 where earnings were down before football season even began. And the thinking was, and people within the league believe this, that Jerry Jones, the Cowboys owner, instigated Papa Johns to say what he said because this was all part of Jerry Jones' effort to undermine the commissioner. So Papa John, on a conference call in May, that was part of an effort to sanitize his image, he mentions that Colonel Sanders used the N-word in reference to African Americans. And he didn't just say Colonel Sanders used the N-word and was never scrutinized or criticized. He flat out said the word. Just weird, bizarre situation. And Papa John or John Schnatter both were trending topics on Twitter all day long. And, you know, apart from the fact that Papa John's pizza... You know, there is, I, I'm, I am of the mindset that there really is no such thing as bad pizza. Papa John's is as close to it as I've ever had. And I'm a guy who loves Pizza Hut. And Domino's is pretty good. Domino's is surprisingly good. Pizza Hut's my favorite chain pizza. But, you know, you've got these pizza snobs that look down their nose at Pizza Hut. It's like, dude, you know, if you would go to an Italian restaurant and you'd order this pizza and they'd put it on your table, you'd eat it and you'd say it was good. Who cares if it's Pizza Hut? Who cares if it's Domino's? Now, if you'd go to a restaurant and order the pizza and they'd bring you this Papa John's cheeseburger direct that we had at the media center before the Super Bowl that was held in New York, you'd say that's not pizza. Who killed the chef and replaced him with just some dude that happened to be walking by? But regardless, not a good day for Papa John. Not a good year for Papa John. Earnings down, stock down. And, you know, there's only so many dollars 
nationally available for people to buy stuff, to buy food. And restaurants, fast food places, they get, they get squeezed out. And sometimes it's a mom and pop locally owned place that gets squeezed out. And sometimes it's a chain that's getting squeezed out systematically from sea to shining sea. And it feels like that may be happening to Papa John. And they've given people reason to not continue to patronize Papa John's. And yes, it it is that slow today that I'm talking about Papa John. Pac-Man Jones got into a fight at the Atlanta airport. You see the video? This guy went after him. An employee at the airport. I don't know what precipitated it, but Pac-Man went after him. Pac-Man did not get arrested. For a change, Pac-Man Jones was involved in an altercation that he didn't get arrested as a result of. Just a weird, just a weird thing. And Pac-Man's still available. I think he had a neck issue last year. Still available. He'd played in the NFL every year since 2005. He did have that one suspension. It was a full season suspension, I think, in 2007. But he's still going. I never would have dreamed he'd still be going this long. And as of right now, he's he's technically not going. We'll see if somebody gives him a shot as the season approaches. All right, I got some other things I got to do today. So let's go straight to the... PFTPM Posse questions. Sean Alvisher, do you think John Schnatter has lost his chance to be an NFL analyst? Yeah, I have a feeling that that ship has sailed. I have a feeling. At Mint Dragon, what's the name of the podcast? Is it PFT Live? I can understand the confusion because what we've done over the past few weeks, the PFTPM podcast is being fed into the PFT Live podcast feed. I was thinking of different word but it's being fed into the feed so it's basically simulcast simul podcast is that what I record one most weekdays it goes into the PFT PM feed as it ordinarily would but it's also going to PFT live because I don't want the people who rely upon PFT live to get nothing we'll be back to normal as of the 23rd of July where three hours of PFT live will be fed to the PFT Live feed and PFT PM whenever we do PFT PM. And, and here's my, my, my current attitude as it relates to PFT PM. You know, because I would like to get to the point where it's generating revenue, but I, I just really don't care. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm fairly well taken care of via the various other jobs that I have. This is the one thing that I do that if I don't make any money, I don't give a shit. I'll just keep doing it because people like it. And if you want to spread the word to your friends, to your enemies, to your colleagues, to your family members, if it grows, so be it. If it doesn't, I still like it. It's a good outlet for me. I feel better when I'm done. A lot of things I do when I'm done, eh, I feel the same. I do this, I always feel better. So I'm going to keep doing it. And we have had some, I think, entertaining long-form conversations, and I think it'll continue to grow. And maybe at some point, somebody will figure out a way to turn it into money. That's not my, that's not my expertise. I just provide the content. It's up to others to turn it into dollars and cents. If they do, they do. If they don't, they don't. No skin off my ass. So that's why there may be some confusion during this four-week mandatory vacation slash paid suspension 
PFTPM is showing up in two different spots. At PFT Sponge, would the NFLPA be hesitant to start its own lockout league because they don't want to be responsible for on-the-field injuries? No. No, I mean, you'd have to get insurance, right? And part of the risk the players would be taking is they would acquire an injury that would impact their ability to play in the NFL, and it would technically be a non-football injury, even though it's a football injury, but it's not a football injury that occurs in a game for their NFL team or at practice for their NFL team or while working out at their NFL team's facility. So there is a certain amount of risk. So you tell the players to get insurance or you get a broader insurance policy to cover them in the event there is some serious injury. I don't think that's the issue. I think the question is how much revenue can you really generate? If they can generate enough revenue to make the players feel like they're close enough to what they would have made and they still get to play football... That's the leverage. I'm going to keep saying it. That's the real leverage that will support players absorbing a work stoppage. At Paul PJ5, should the NFL embrace an NBA summer league type system? It doesn't have to be full contact, but can be seven on seven, allows them to showcase young players and more time with players. I'm I'm thinking that the spring leagues may, may ultimately be that, become that. Now, it'll be interesting if it ever evolves to the point where players who are under contract with an NFL team are put on loan to the Alliance of American Football or the XFL. That they continue to be out of the spring league season under contract with the NFL teams, but they're loaned there for further reps. That could be the way to go. That may be the way to do it. But, you know, they've televised these flag football games. And I'm sorry, I know covering football is my job. Covering tackle football is my job. I could give two shits about flag football. And I haven't seen the ratings. I don't even care enough to find out what the ratings are. Who cares about flag football? And I'm sorry. I know, oh, you have a relationship with the NFL. You work for NBC. They pay the NFL to broadcast content. The NBC isn't paying the NFL to broadcast flag football. Nobody's going to be paying the NFL to broadcast flag football. Who gives a shit about flag football? Are you with me on that? Can we agree on one thing? In this divided states of America, where we can't agree on anything, can we agree that collectively we don't give two shits about flag football? I know I don't. Who cares about flag football? It's nothing like the real thing. And I've seen, I think it was Mike Freeman saying we could be looking at the future of football. And I guess some some guys in the football community, Ben Watson pointed it out. Maybe somebody else, can't remember who. This may be the future of football. I'll tell you what, if this is the future of the football, I'm out. See ya. If this is the future of football, I'm not interested. And that's one of the reasons why I've tried to be on the leading edge of this. Where does the the game go from here with these two new helmet rules and how many changes are going to be made for the sake of safety, right? I'm sorry. There's going to be, and this is my, look, here's what will happen. I don't even, I don't, I don't, I'm done. I, I'm done. Not with the podcast for today. I'm just not, I'm not even going to entertain the thought that it's someday the only alternative we would have as a nation who wants to watch real football, is flag football. Because people are not just going to say, oh, okay, what happened to real football? Well, you know, it's not safe, and and uh, um, we, we've decided to, that it shouldn't be played, so we're going to play flag football instead. And people are going to be like, oh, okay, let's watch flag football. Can we watch that? Ooh, I want to watch flag football. Nobody gives a shit. 
about flag football. Nobody does. I know some people do or they wouldn't be participating in it. Nobody cares. I'm sorry. I think I speak on behalf of the average football fan, if not the vast majority of football fans, when I say no one gives a shit about flag football. God, I'm exhausted after that. You may be too. At one burn man. What do you think will happen if the NFL ever expands the length of the playing field? I don't know. I mean, the Canadian field is a little bit longer in the playing area and it's got the 25-yard or 25-meter end zones. I don't think that's ever going to happen, in part because the stadiums have been specifically constructed to fit the field as it is. And some of them, there isn't a lot of buffer as it currently is. And you don't want to start you know, taking out seats because then you're taking money out of your pockets for that privilege. There's been no push or no discussion or no concern that I'm aware of about changing the, the dimensions of a football field. At Sean Alvashar, how in the world does baseball generate the kind of money to pay $100 million contracts? A recent study showed that the ball is in play for an average of 18 minutes. Why do TV networks pay enormous right fees for this? I, I, I think a lot of the money comes from the local TV deals, like the Yes Network. I remember seeing one time years ago how much money the Yes Network generates, and it was obscene. But, you know, there are still baseball fans out there. Not as many as there used to be, but there are still baseball fans. And baseball is going to undergo a resurgence once the betting technology has evolved to the point where you can be at the park or at home, hanging out, having a few beers, and you can bet a couple of bucks every pitch, ball or strike. Every batter, hitter and out. Every batter, home run. 30 to 1 odds that this guy's going to hit a home run. Think about Ozzie Smith. 1,000 to 1 that he's going to hit a home run. You bet your dollar. Boom. Ozzie Smith is the only guy I can think of who I know hit some home runs at times and wasn't expected to. I also remember Ozzie Smith used to go out and do a like a backflip or a front flip on his way to his position. I, I'm saying I've got like this 30-year gap of no baseball knowledge. You really began in 92. I may have told you this story before. If I have, I don't apologize. I'm going to tell you again. When the Pirates lost to the Braves, Game 7 of the 1992 NLCS, when somehow Sid Bream scores from second and Barry Bonds can't throw the guy out, and the Pirates lost, I knew at that point, because Barry Bonds was on his way out, Bobby Bonilla was on his way out, I knew that was it. I knew they weren't going to be interesting. I quit paying attention. And I've been to some Pirates games at the new ballpark, but, you know, as of right now, I can't tell you the name of one person who plays for the Pittsburgh Pirates. And they would be officially my favorite baseball team. I can't tell you the name of one guy. McCutcheon. I know he doesn't play there anymore. Beyond that, I can't tell you. And I don't care to find out. The free time that I have, I'm not following baseball. I'm not watching baseball. Baseball ends up being something that's on one of the screens down in the barn where we're watching something else. And we've had the Pirates on enough this season, that you'd think I would pick up one of the names. Is there a pitcher named Musgrove? I know one, because they were playing in San Diego, and he's from San Diego, and they interviewed his dad, and I thought his dad was extremely well-spoken. He could have been, like, doing the... He had just, like, a good, mellifluous voice, and he could have been in the booth doing the game. I thought, wow, this guy's pretty good. Put him on instead of the hacks they have in the booth, whoever they are. So Musgrove? Is it Musgrove? I think it's Musgrove. That's it. So I do know one. I don't know his first name. 
He was the pitcher that night. The Pirates were winning. Didn't watch the end of the game. I don't think I ever have. At Traveling Taylor. Is the NFL regular season MVP award going to quarterbacks from now on? What scenario would create anything different? I I, I, I disagree with you there. I'm going to multitask. I'm going to find the MVPs for the last... Because I think we did like the odds. The NFL MVP odds. Let's see what we have here. Here's the most valuable player award. You'll be surprised. I mean, it is like the best quarterback award. But uh, let's see. 2012, Adrian Peterson. Well, it's been yeah, it's been six years. And Adrian Peterson, the only one. It's like every six years, somebody other than a quarterback wins it. You got quarterback 2017, 16, 15, 14, 13. Adrian Peterson in 2012. Quarterbacks back to 2006, Ladanian Tomlinson. It was back to back, Sean Alexander, Ladanian Tomlinson. Before that, Marshall Falk in 2000, Terrell Davis in 98, Barry Sanders along with Brett Favre in 97, Emmett Smith in 93, Thurman Thomas in 91, Lawrence Taylor in 86, Marcus Allen in 85. So it's not always quarterbacks. Mark Mosley in 82. What a shit year that had to have been. That was a strike-shortened season, only nine regular season games. But how do you get to the end of the season and the AP voters decide that Mark freaking Mosley, one of the last of the straight-on kickers, is the MVP of the entire National Football League? How shitty was the NFL that year that that a kicker is the MVP? How does that happen? He made 20 of 21 field goals. That's how he became the MVP. Big freaking deal. Man, what a, what a, I got to go back at some point, especially during the slow time. I want to go back and look at the 1982 season. I want to try to find the MVP voting. And I want to figure out how in the hell Mark Mosley ended up being the MVP in 1982. Let me make a note to do that right now. All right, I made a note. I'll still forget. Mike likes dirt. What's the most challenging meal you've ever cooked on the grill? Hashtag grill skills. It's not challenging. I just hate grilling chicken for two reasons. First of all, it takes too long. And second of all, you have to get it off the grill at one precise moment. The moment where the pink shit in the middle is finally gone... And the insides don't completely begin to dry up. You have like a window of 10 seconds when the pink is done, the pink is gone, and it's still juicy. And if you don't get it off the grill within that 10 seconds, it's just absolute petrified, rock-hard shit. And the other thing, we use this Jack Daniels marinade, which is excellent. Teriyaki, excellent. But man, it leaves a hell of a mess on the grill. So I just, I don't like grilling chicken. I do like this. I don't know if I told you this already this week, but if I did, what the hell, I'll tell you again. We had a great meal Saturday night. I had some, I I think I told you this, the Chicago sausage, Bobby V. I think I already talked about this. Let me tell you again. We had the Chicago sausage, five pounds of it. I had eight peppers and four onions, different colored peppers, made it look all fancy. Cut the peppers up, cut the onions up, had a big cast iron skillet that I got at Kroger. Olive oil, cooked that down assembled it into the hoagie buns the big from a local Italian bakery the big hoagie buns provolone cheese on top put it back in the grill baked it there 
excellent. We had some leftover of it last night. It was still as good three nights later as it was the night we made it. Now I'm hungry. At Mike Likes Dirt, the other guy now calls you Sims' other guy on Sims and Lefko. How do you feel about that? It's my move. He's stealing my move. Uh, listen, listen. All right, we want to go down this path, other guy. Nobody knows who you are. Nobody knew who you were before you hooked up with Chris Sims, and nobody knows who you are now. They at least knew who I was, for better or worse, before I got connected with Sims. Sims joined my show. You're just the appendage for Chris Sims. So I say the other guy kind of jokingly, but really, who knows who this guy is? I'd have to look up his name right now. I don't know his name. Andrew? I don't know. So if he if he is saying that, I mean all of it. If he, if he isn't saying that, then I don't mean any of that. And maybe we can continue this because it's kind of fun. At Mike Likes Dirt, Winston got ha- Jameis Winston got half the normal six-week suspension with no explanation as to why. Does the PED snitching policy pertain to non-PED suspensions? If so, who could have he rolled on? Hashtag conspiracy. Now, I don't, I don't think that, that Jameis Winston snitched on anybody. I think Jameis Winston did a deal to get three games because he gave up his appeal rights, and the NFL did it for two reasons. One, they don't want to get dragged through this whole Ezekiel Elliott-style fight where it's exposed to the world what a screwed-up procedure the NFL has in place to discipline players. And second, I think the NFL was sensitive to the fact that if all the details come out about what Jameis Winston did, the Buccaneers may get pushed into a corner and have to get rid of him, and no other team could sign him, and there aren't enough quarterbacks to go around, and you don't want to push out of the league a a young, engaging quarterback who can maybe see the error of his ways and become a productive citizen and continue to play quarterback for another 10-plus years. That's what I think happened. At the Impact 99 Theory, Baltimore has a disappointing season and relieves Coach Harbaugh of his duties. Where is the best fit for him, and how in demand would he be? My guess is he would be quite popular. And, you know, from time to time, you will hear someone talking about a coach who may be fired, and that person will say, well, he won't be out of a job for very long if that happens. And it's someone who, like, you know, sane people would say, are you freaking crazy? Right? Of course he's going to be out of a job for a while. Like if if somebody had said last year, oh, when they fire Ben McAdoo, he's not going to be out of a job for very long. Anytime someone does it, I'm thinking, well, we know who's on his Christmas card list. I think John Harbaugh would not be out of a job for very long, and I think that is a rational, objective view. I think there would be a quick effort to hire John Harbaugh by NFL teams. The question is what college jobs would be available at the time. You know, I've heard, like, scuttlebutt of him to Notre Dame if they'd ever move on from Brian Kelly or when they will because, you know, it's just a matter of time before they do. That's just how these things work. I think John Harbaugh would be a great college coach, and I think he'd be a great coach at any other NFL team. And it may just be that they decide that the time has come to make a change in Baltimore. Who knows? I think it'd be a mistake, but I don't think he'd be out of a job for very long. What else do we have? At Burn Unit, how is the order in which a supplemental draft player... Let me try that again. Burn Unit, how is the order in which a player in the supplemental draft... Uh, see, I'm screwing it up, but he's screwed it up too. He wants to know the order, the priority that's determined for who gets taken in the supplemental draft. Such as if a team wants either cornerback available and has a round three grade on both of them. Here, here's what happens. Here's how it works. 
there's a priority for each round, just like waiver priority. So before the round starts, let's say it's round three, you say, all right, here's my third round pick. And uh, I think that's how they do it. I don't think they've changed it. I don't think it's like each team's on the clock. I don't think that's how it works. I, I probably should know this. The way that I always understood it to be is before each round, the teams say whether or not they are using their pick for that round. And then whoever has the highest priority gets the guy. And it's possible that the Giants were the only team that used a third-round pick on on Beal, and it's possible that Washington was the only team that used a sixth-round pick on, on Alexander. I think that's how they do it. I don't think it rotates through like with teams on the clock. The thing moves too fast to happen that way. How long are you on the clock? 30 seconds? So I don't think that's how it works. I'm, I'm fairly confident that's not how it works. Andrew Yeh, did you notice that the press release from LaShawn McCoy's accusers lawyers spelled his first name LaShawn, L-E-S-H-A-W-N? How big of a deal is this fairly careless error at a law firm? If I was in charge at that firm, I would be quite annoyed. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe they did it on purpose just to tweak him. Maybe they know that he hates it when someone misspells his name, so they deliberately misspelled his name as an F.U. to LaShawn McCoy. Who knows? I'm, I'm not worried about that. I, be, I, I'm, I'm not. Uh, that's that. Uh, look, if you read our page, we have typos. Shit happens, especially in this day and age. And you know, people get all indignant that oh, you have. To, I'll, every once in a while, I get an email from somebody chastising me for the typos that we have from time to time, and then offering for a fee to perform copy editing work. It's like you know, that isn't quite exactly the way to get me to say you're hired, right? But I, I've noticed. Plenty of publications have typos because there's an effort to get the work done and get it published. And then, you know, I tell the writers at PFT, read it one last time before you publish and read it one more time after. And and I try to do that, and sometimes I do, and sometimes I don't. And sometimes it's just you really need a second set of eyes to spot what will be an obvious typo to that second set of eyes that you keep missing. So, you know, it happens. We aspire to get everything right, but... I'd rather have more content, frankly, than have only the cleanest possible copy with no possibility of any typo. That just slows the process down, and that's just the way the world now is. And, you know, I just think that we all have to adjust and adapt. I did because it used to drive me crazy, but I recognize I can't keep up with what I want to do. And with what I think we need to do from a news output standpoint to be competitive, if I'm obsessed over every possible word and letter and phrase and clause, there's going to be some things that slip through the cracks. It happens. At the Impact 99, what would have to happen for Seattle to move on from Pete Carroll after this season? I think they'd have to be 5-11 and 11 or worse. I think it'd have to be a total disaster. And I wonder how close they came to getting rid of him after last season. Last season was the occasion, and he admitted this to me at the scouting combine. We're having kind of a philosophical discussion. Like, you know, has it been from the coach? This was before they started shedding the players. From the coaching staff standpoint, the fact that you guys were always making it to the playoffs, did it maybe delay necessary changes? And he agreed that, yeah, I mean, you know, if the season's going well, they got to the final eights, five, six straight years, you don't address some deficiencies because everything's still working. Well, then you don't make it to the playoffs and you address all the deficiencies at once. And then, and then I asked him, can we extrapolate from all the moves with the coaches that there's going to be some fairly significant moves made with the players? And he kind of, he kind of gave me a little like, you know, little uh, 
a little knife in the back. Not not really. It was more like a knife in the front. Like that's kind of a. I wouldn't agree with that. That's kind of a you know, not smart thing to say. Or however he said it. And meanwhile, they they you know they get rid of a shitload of players at the appropriate time. Makes me wonder whether or not he was on board with those moves. At the real Forno, lots of people on Twitter have been going back and forth debating the topic of drummies or flats when it comes to chicken wings. What's your opinion? I prefer the drummy. I didn't know that they were called drummies or flats, right? I, I don't know what I called it. I guess I called it the mini drumstick versus the uh, the other thing. The, the the other thing because the little mini drumstick it's like eating it's like like you you know the drill. It's like eating the small version of the chicken leg. I remember when they introduced those at Long John Silver's in the 70s. They called them peg legs. And I remember thinking, where in the hell are all these little chickens coming from? Right? Like somewhere, there's a farm where all the chickens are small. And this is the leg of the small chicken. I had no idea that it was part of a chicken wing. I prefer that. It's easier to eat. It takes too much work with that. You know, and then... Like, I, I'm really not a big fan of of having the corpse of what I'm eating obvious to me. And with chicken, it's kind of unavoidable if you're eating any chicken with bones in it. But with that that little, what do you call it, the flat, like like when you bite into it, like you've got, it's like the radius and the ulna right there. It's like it's about as clear as it can be that you are consuming the actual carcass of what once was alive. Like if I get lobster, like I don't need this giant insect that's been boiled alive in front of me. Just give me the meat and I'll pretend I don't know that it's cheese. I, I don't I don't I don't know how it helps, but it helps. I mean, when you eat steak, you know, you're not gnawing on the, you know, the leg bone of the of the cow. Do they what do they do with the like the the leg meat, like the well, there isn't much of a lower leg of the cow, is there? So that's just kind of stupid. And I guess when you eat ribs, you're doing that. But they're so good that I'll make that exception. For the most part, I'm not a big fan of having the bones, just because I don't want to be reminded that this meat came from you know something that had parents. All right. Uh, at the real Forno, other than Chris Carter and Josh Gordon, are there any other truly big name players that have been selected in the supplemental draft? Well, let's see. There have been, and uh, I was looking at it earlier today. There is a Wikipedia page for pretty much everything. I'll probably find that when I type NFL Supplemental Draft. I got to go. I want to work out before. My son and I are going to the local Mexican restaurant tonight, and I always like to work out beforehand, so I don't feel like a complete glutton when I go there and eat everything. All right, let's see what we have. Supplemental draft, supplemental draft. Where's the, there's a Wikipedia page. I thought there was a Wikipedia page with the NFL supplemental draft history. Let me try to put that in there and say, here we go. List of supplemental draft picks. All right, here's some of the names that that have popped up. Terrell Pryor, I don't know how big of a name that is in hindsight. Ahmad Brooks, he played in the NFL for a while. Hmm. Hmm. Rob Moore was a supplemental pick in 1990. Bobby Humphrey, he was okay for a while. He was a first-round pick running back of out of Alabama, the Denver Broncos. Tim Rosenbach, remember him? He was a first-round pick in 1989. There were three first-round supplemental draft picks in 1989, Steve Walsh. Oh, how can we forget Bernie Kosar? He engineered that, too. Brian Bosworth, he was a supplemental draft pick. So it hasn't been all that all that bad. It's the first... Uh, supplemental draft pick was taken in 1977. Al Hunter, Seattle Seahawks, fourth round. 
But yeah, I think the first one to make a, a stir was Bernie Kosar. He graduated from Miami after his junior year, so he slipped into the draft that way, taken by the Cleveland Browns. Uh, Brian Bosworth, Chris Carter, Steve Walsh. Remember, they drafted Steve Walsh in Dallas just a couple of months after they drafted Troy Aikman. And and that created like a rift between Aikman and Jimmy Johnson. It's like, what, what what's Jimmy Johnson up to here? But it you know it was a little put it put a little heat on Troy Aikman, and they eventually traded Steve Walsh for way too much from the Saints' perspective. I think it was the Saints that traded for him, and Walsh never really did anything. All right, I should wrap this up. Let me see what else we have here. At Sean Alvashar, what the hell is wrong with Pac-Man Jones? Look, Pac-Man Jones really turned his life around. I mean, he he was he he. he when he and the late Chris Henry left Morgantown, just 30 miles up the road from me, following 2004, because they were both drafted in 2005, a scout told me it's amazing that neither of those guys was responsible for the death of anyone while they were in Morgantown. So he's really turned it around. At the Real Forno, he'd been able to get in contact with your guy that works for the NHL regarding PFTPM Posse t-shirts. He was here last week. He's my nephew, and he was going to show me some mock-ups, and we never got a chance to do it. I need to follow him up. All right, uh, I should probably wrap it up. If I didn't answer your question, um, ask it on Friday. Can't do it tomorrow. Got something else I got to do. Friday's with A-Flow, version 4, coming up. I assume he still wants to do it. He actually enjoys it. And uh, I, I think he's gotten better at it. It's, you know, he's 21. I mean, he, I can't imagine trying to, like, talk into a microphone and make sense. And we have fun. Uh, I enjoy it. It's it's an hour that I spend with him every... Think about that. If you have kids that are that age or when you were that age, spending one hour with your parent in that setting, it's kind of fun. And that's one of the reasons why I don't mind doing this, even if it's not going to make any money. Because if he and I can do that once a week, that's more compensation than, than uh, I could have ever envisioned for this. So we're going to keep doing that. And uh, uh, who knows? Maybe he'll start doing it more often, too. It's going to change once he's back in school. But uh, maybe I can get him down here on Fridays and uh, we can keep doing it. All right. Thanks for your time, as always. Check us out at profootballtalk.com. We'll do this again on Friday. Have a great day. You can find the PFTPM podcast on Art19, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Google Play. If you like what you hear, and you will, subscribe for automatic downloads. Leave a rating and review. That'll help new listeners find our show and push us up the charts. Search PFTPM for your evening update from Pro Football Talk. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash activecash.